Welcome to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we will explore the interesting stories of business executives, entrepreneurs, and industry leaders who are shaking things up and growing their companies. It is time to make some waves. Now here's your host, Tom Singer. Hey there, and welcome to another episode of Making Waves at Sea Level. Thank you so much for coming along on the journey of this show that is now six and a half years and almost 650 episodes. When I started this show, I had no idea that it was going to lead to so many different things, including the fact that I am now the professional podcast host, meaning people pay me, for three other shows. I host a show called the Digital Enterprise Society Podcast. I host a show called uh, the Sales Tech Podcast. And I am the host of the National Speakers Association's Speakernomics. Uh, I started the show just really as a learning device. It gave me access to really smart people who were doing cool things. And that opened up a lot of doors for my speaking business, for other things. I made a lot of friends along the way. And then other groups started asking me, hey, could you work with us to make sure our podcast won't just be blah? And that's what I try to do is make the shows, all the shows that I do interesting. And now at this point, I have done over a between all the shows, over a thousand interviews with business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and other people who are making waves in business. And that is what we're going to talk about today, because today we're going to talk about how do you shake things up in the world of franchises? Now, this could be, hey, you want to buy into a franchise, or it could be, you know what? My company should franchise. That would be awesome. And we are talking to one of the experts. We're talking to John Austinson, and he is actually the author of the soon-to-come-out book called The Franchise Path. And what he does for a living is he helps people connect with business opportunities. He's a matchmaker who finds the opportunities and the people who are interested in them and helps them get together. Addition to that, he is a multi-brand franchisee himself, so he doesn't just tell you how to franchise, he actually owns several. So, John, welcome to Making Waves at Sea Level. Tom, thanks so much for having me. Looking forward to our conversation. Love the show. Love what you're doing. So, John, tell us a little bit about your company. Your company is called Franbridge Consulting. Tell us a little bit about that. Absolutely. So I, I, I absolutely love what I do. I, as you described articulately, I get to play a matchmaker between great candidates. Oftentimes, you know, they come out of the corporate world or they're looking for that side gig or, or hustle, or they're looking to make the full-time jump. Um, you know, we work with people from all walks of life, help them find the opportunities uh, that, that make the most sense and match up to them. So um, my background, I've been a corporate transplant. I have been a former franchisor. And as you said, now multi-brand franchisee. So I've had the opportunity to see multiple facets. Um, I now represent about 300 different franchise brands that we've vetted. And I get the opportunity to really articulate those opportunities and, and match them up with the right candidates, which I just have so much fun doing. <laughs> so, you know, what's interesting is let's start with the company side. You worked for a company that franchised and why would a company do that? Why not just open up all the brick and mortar all by yourself? Why, why would you franchise out city to city? What, what, what's the advantage to the company? Yeah, you know, there are multiple reasons. And, and, and I talk with a lot of people on a weekly basis that they're thinking about franchising. And, you know, there's the good and the bad, and I share both sides with them. But uh, ultimately, it allows you to scale your business nationally um, 
using other people's money largely, and you're getting buy-in because people are putting skin in the game in each of these local markets that they know intimately. So you're not just hiring a sales force and creating local operations all around. Instead, you've got true ownership uh, interest in each of those. Um, also, you know, it allows you not just to scale and to scale quickly using others' funding, It also makes you a very attractive target for an exit. Uh, Private equity loves franchising. They love the repeatable nature of it, the cash flow, the fact you can leverage up on the franchisor side. Um, So we're seeing very high multiples today. I get calls every single day from private equity firms looking for emerging franchisors uh, that that could potentially be acquisition targets. So uh, multiple reasons. Um, It's not for everyone. You know, if you are, a franchisor, you know, you wake up one day and all of a sudden you have a lot of kids that have expectations, um, you know, that, that are bought into your system with their own money. And, um, and so, you know, it's really important to set the expectations up front and, you know, and I get into all of that with my clients, but, um, you know, definitely good and bad, but, uh, a lot of companies are opting for, uh, for franchising. That's why it represents about 4,000 different franchise brands in the U S today. Wow. That's, a, that's a lot of, that's a lot of companies out there that are, that are franchising. So, I've heard a statistic that they say that after the pandemic, they're expecting a 40% increase in the amount of franchises across the board than pre-pandemic levels. So what's driving that for, let's stick with the company side. Why are more companies franchising? Absolutely. So again, I think for those reasons I cited, they see it as an opportunity right now to, uh, to really scale quickly. And, um, and, you know, I think they're seeing that there are great candidates coming out of the corporate world. A lot of these people, I think COVID's caused a lot of people to take a step back and think about the path they're on and, um, you know, maybe scratch that entrepreneurial itch. So I'd say the quality of candidate is increasing. And as franchisors see other companies around them or, or companies, see other franchisors, they say, wait a minute, why? am I not doing that? I think my model is scalable. Now, again, it's not right for every type of business, but we are starting to see more and more unique businesses that are very non-traditional enter the franchise world. And I I find that so many people, when you say franchise, think fast food. And I'd say 95% of the businesses I work with are non-food related. Uh, So that's really the areas in which I focus, whether it be roll off dumpsters or the serve pro businesses or pods style, you know, ones that may not be as sexy or trendy, but there are a lot of ways to make money out there and people are really gravitating to these niches. So with, with so many companies out there that, that are franchising, is it a super competitive business? If somebody's looking for something with 4,000 plus choices out there, where, where do, you know, is it hard for the company to find the franchisee? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's why they work with uh, consultants like myself. So again, I'm, I serve as an independent executive recruiter, if you will, or, or consultant, uh, helping them find great candidates that are qualified, that aren't just tire kickers, but that I've taken through my process in which I'm educating the candidate on the, the funding side, making sure that's in place, the legal side, uh, helping them understand you know, how to look at different franchise systems and analyze businesses. So what they want is an educated candidate uh, that's set up, ready to make a decision so that they're not wasting their time. But um, no, in a world of 4,000 franchise brands, they're not all created equal. And we definitely see winners that are doubling and tripling in size every year. And then we're seeing some that are you know, that going away. And, and so what I do is I help our candidates, you know, not just look at the ones that we vetted, but really build that framework of how do you analyze a business and uh, what paradigm should you be using? All right. So let's switch gears to people who want to buy into a franchise, who, who want to own their own business, but you know don't have the, the idea or the, the structure in place to do it. And they think, yeah, franchise is a great option. Why would someone 
buy into a franchise? Why would, why would a person do this? Yeah. First off as a backdrop, I, I posted a graphic on LinkedIn today that shows the increasing trend in interest of owning a franchise versus a startup versus an existing business. Cause you know, the whole idea of, you know, entrepreneurship by acquisition, that's gotten a lot of airtime of late. And, but we have to really peel back that onion and understand, uh, you know, the, the, the pros and cons of taking that path. Um, so with franchising, I, people are attracted to first off the model, the fact that you're not reinventing the wheel, you know, it's not just the brand. It's, it's the fact you come in day one, you know, the path to profitability. You're not trying to figure out how do you become profitable or if you can No, you know what the playbook is. It's been uh, spelled out for you in other markets. You've got other franchise owners in the system. They're really, on your team, if you think about that, where you're learning from each other, you're testing the same marketing vehicles, you're understanding from their experience what works, what doesn't, where do you hire your best uh, labor, uh, for instance. And then you've got the franchisor who's got completely aligned interests. The better that you do, the better they do. So you're in business for yourself, but not by yourself. That franchisor is essentially your coach on the sidelines, if you like to think about it that way. So again, I, I'd say it's it's a great path to business ownership for so many, you know, I'm a part of the entrepreneurs organization, EO. I have to tell some of those members, you're too entrepreneurial for franchising. You know, you, you, you couldn't stay within the lines. Now, some of them love the fact that everything's been spelled out and they don't have to go reinvent the wheel. So, um, you know, I, I help people understand, are you a fit for franchising or is there a better path as well? So what kind of money can someone make in franchising? I mean, we've all heard the story of the person who, you know, buys, uh, you know, two, I won't, I won't pick a franchise, but you know, two in a mall and all they do is run between the two malls trying to hire high school students. And at the end of the year, you know, they bought themselves a job that involves like 75 hours a week and they go, what did I do? So where's the upside? Yeah. First off, I'd say, you know, the, the opportunities that we're steering candidates into, uh, you know, we're seeing EBITDA margins typically of 20 to 50% in some cases. And I'd say by and large, I mean, we're looking at 20, 25%, but when you, you kind of back into what the revenue assumptions are and the great thing about franchising is every franchise system has what's called an FDD or franchise disclosure document. There's 23 sections or items within that document. Your item seven talks about you know, hey, here's what your all-in investment looks like in the different components. Your item 19 is the financial representation of what a franchise owner can make based on what their experience with franchise owners uh, in other markets. So you kind of go in eyes wide open. Additionally, you get to talk to other franchise owners through what's called validation in the process. So you get to ask those questions and go in, you know, nothing is foolproof or a sure thing, but you go in with much more than a pro forma on the back of an envelope. Um, and so you go in and again, EBITDA margins, let's just say you're, you're in that 25% range. Uh, well, are, can you do 500,000 per territory in year two? Maybe you ramp up and do 300,000 a year one. Uh, you kind of back into those numbers and how many territories, you know, would you need to uh, get, get to where you want to be. But I oftentimes remind people that are leaving the corporate world as I did, you know, a number of years ago, you're not just buying into um, you know that annual cash flow, but you're also building an asset that's going to have exit value. So your investment should pay dividends and ultimately uh, you'll end up making more than what you put in at the beginning. So you're building an asset. It's much more than a job. And as a small business owner, it's really one of the last bastions of tax benefits, you know, out there today, knock on wood, uh, based on the expenses you're able to write off. Um, you know, oftentimes you're not comparing apples to apples when comparing to a corporate salary. 
No, absolutely. That 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 makes total sense. As someone who's worked for himself for twelve years, uh, you know, it's a it's an interesting it's an interesting world. You know, what seems like uh, not as much money can suddenly be a lot more than you think. So, what are the what are the hot sectors right now? You know, as we come out of this pandemic, what what looks hot in the world of franchises? You know, I, I mentioned this earlier, but kind of that non-sexy area, you know, people like those niches. They like when there's a differentiator within the business. Um, I'd say property services or home services is just as hot as anything else out there. It's a $500 billion market, everything from pool cleaning, carpet cleaning, roofing, kitchen remodeling, um, you know, insulation, driveway repair, all of those types of businesses that no one has any experience in it. No one ever expected to own a business like that. However, they like the fundamentals behind, uh, you know, those businesses, maybe the variable cost nature behind them. Um, so I am seeing a lot of interest in property services, you know, that are non brick and mortar, non retail. Um, you know, you can work remote, uh, scale up that team over time. Um, that is a hot, hot area and private equity is loving that area too right now. Uh, health and wellness obviously was popular prior to COVID and that's only growing, um, you know, whether it be more on the uh, medical side and maybe more like IV drip type uh, opportunities that boost your immunity and, and, you know, fight free radicals in your body, or it could be more on the fitness side or, you know, there's just a lot of different concepts there. And then of course, anything that caters to the senior population. You know, we have 10,000 people turning 65 every day. So those macro uh, trends are definitely um, uh, driving things as well. And I I do think food will come around. I I just think, you know, right now I'd say probably 5% of my clients are raising their hand and saying, Hey, I want to look at food opportunities. So, um, uh, but no, I'd say property services is the hottest. And uh, there's a lot of niches within that that people don't have on their radar. So, I mean, is that hard for like a big corporate person who's been, you know, working for, you know, a fortune, you know, 500 to get their arms around the fact that they're going to go have a driveway repair business. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I, I just invested in a driveway repair business here in Atlanta recently with a guy, uh, my business partner who I'd gone to uh, you know, grad school with the business school back in the day, who's an Accenture consultant. So, um, you know, it's totally new to him. Um, you know, I, I just had some clients buy into a mosquito business. I just uh, did a couple of deals for oil changes. I mean, they, you know, the, those types of businesses are still very popular. Um, and so we're seeing just this wide gamut, but no, it, it absolutely is. It, but, you know, when you step back and put your business owner hat on and you think about a business as being a somewhat different parts. You've got your marketing, you've got your operations. Um, and, and with franchising, of course, it's all been figured out. They like the fact you don't have any experience. Um, you know, when I was on the franchisor side and we used to take candidates all the way through our discovery day process and ultimately show them everything that we would do for them. They, they at the very end, they would say, well, what are we supposed to do day to day? How are we supposed to be successful or more successful? And my answer was always the same you know, really one thing, and that is hire and attract great talent, uh, retain them and incentivize them. And, you know, if it's not working out, make the tough call and, and let them go. Um, I'd say that's what differentiates the, the best franchisees from the average franchise owners um, is your ability to work with people. So if you've had hiring experience and management experience in the corporate world, I think that's a very transferable skill for success. So what age group is big on going into franchising is this a is this a uh, retirement age thing is this a gen xer thing is this millennials is this the young the the gen z people who's who's the the big demographic right now 
Yeah, you know, obviously it's it is all the above. Um, historically, you definitely had more of those. Uh, you know, maybe with a little too much gray in their hair to want to go interview for another job. You know, you're you're those that are semi-retiring, uh, but still have a little fire left in the belly. Um, and we still have plenty of clients there. Uh, however, I am seeing more kind of at my age, which is right around 40, um, you know, early forties, late thirties. I've done a bunch of deals recently. And a lot of these guys are either making the jump full fledged or they're starting a little side hustle and you know, plan to run it on the side 15 hours a week of their time, maybe going into it and hiring a good GM. And then over time, you know, they do plan to make that jump, but lots of interest from people at that stage of, to create a portfolio of companies for, portfolio businesses. I've seen a lot of uh, interest there, but then I've had a couple of deals recently with uh, with 20 something. So it really is across the board. Um, and I feel like I'm a disciple for <laughs> franchising, getting out there, talking to these different segments. You know, I, I speak to investor groups, but I also speak to uh, university students. So I've got some more questions for you, John, but first I have yeah. to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. They set you up with the right equipment, training, and guidance to ensure you're going to sound amazing. Podfly does all the heavy lifting and that pesky technical work. I hate the pesky technical work. So that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing people who are making waves in business like John Austinson. Hey, If you want to start a podcast, and I know that some of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, John, tell me a good story about somebody who went into franchising and why it worked. Well, I've I've got quite a few. Um, You know, one story that that I I really love this past year, uh, one of the deals we did, uh, another guy about my age, 42, uh, here in Atlanta, um, you know, we we went through opportunities. He was a financial advisor and had a very successful career up to this point, but, you know, just wanted to scratch that entrepreneurial itch. And um, as we went through opportunities and he talked with different franchise systems, I introduced him to, uh, there was really one that resonated with him and it was called Smash My Trash. And it was a um, concept that I essentially, and I love this business. This was on fire last year. People loved it. Um, it it's a truck with a big old crane arm on the back and it would go, go off to a dumpster and uh, literally roll back and forth and smash down the waste and debris to about one third of the original size. So you're not saving money ultimately at the, at the uh, dump, you know, at the landfill, but you are saving two out of three trips to the landfill and which translates into huge savings. But a lot of pieces of this model, I did a couple of deals with them last year that people just really resonated with. Anyway, he fell in love with it. It was sold out in Atlanta in all the areas that he would want to be in. Um, so he is actually in the process of moving his family. He started he started up the business down in Mobile, Alabama, Pensacola area down there, bought a few territories, and he's going to be moving his family down there over the next year. Um, but he's off to the races. He's been running demo appointments down there, thrilled with uh, the early success. And it's just so cool because it was a life change um, you know, that I was able to be a part of. <laughs> That's kind of fun. I like the idea. Smash my trash. It would be fun just to watch, right? It'd be worth worth half the money just to watch them back over your trash a bunch of times. So, yeah. so John, what advice then do you have for somebody who listened to this and they're like, yeah, I'd like to find out more. I mean, obviously they can schedule an appointment with you, but general advice, what advice do you have for people who want to, let's, let's do this too. For a company that wants to franchise, what advice do you have? And then we'll come back to the individual who wants to get into a franchise. 
Yeah, for a company that wants to franchise, I'd start looking at comparables out there, you know, other types of businesses that have chosen a franchise. Let's see how they're doing, how fast they've grown, um, you know, if there are any news stories on them, um, you know, and then just think about what you want that day-to-day to look like for you. Again, you know, do you want to be supporting a lot of franchise owners across the country? I mean, some people love that. It's not for everybody. Um, you know, you, you have to build out a support team and operationally and marketing and, you know, there are expectations. However, you are working towards an exit. Um, or, you know, on the flip side, if, um, you know, it's, it's not right for everyone, but I'm happy to always have those conversations with companies on the candidate side, begin thinking about the type of business you want to be in. Yeah. I like to think about franchise businesses. If you think about a quadrant, you've got your simple retail, complex retail, B2C services, B2B services. You know, I describe the B2C services like the home services space, you know, your property services, um, your B2B could be more every, everything from, gosh, bookkeeping and payroll to janitorial maintenance to, you know, your serve pro type models. Um, and then your simple retail would be, uh, you know, like fast food. That'd be a great example. Um, you know, a large labor pool you're tapping into, you can train them up in a shift or two, not very salesy, very transaction oriented. And then finally, your, um, you know, your complex retail might be more of a, uh, you know, like a uh, Meineke or Mako or, um, you know, Massage MBC. The, the labor pool has some experience coming in typically. Uh, so begin thinking about the type of business, how large you want to go. Do you multi- potentially want to have multiple brands down the road or do you want to just go really deep with one brand and expand territory? Uh, how much time can you put into the business? How much can you, you know, afford? And we can talk about funding options and SBA loans and such. Um, but the more you can just start thinking about it um, and then, yeah, I would love to hop on a call and, and you know, you know, totally pro bono and, um, you know, share some thoughts and, and get you thinking along some different lines and ultimately show you different, different opportunities for consideration. And people can find you. They can email you at John J O N at franbridgeconsulting.com. So you bring up an interesting point there and that is to buy into a franchise costs money. So what if someone doesn't have a lot of money? Yeah, just to, to level set off the bat, you know, I'd say most of the deals we do are between 100,000 and 250,000. I'd say that's probably where 80% of our deals are. And then, of course, you have some that are larger, but, um, you know, those would that be your all in investment. We are seeing a lot of self funded deals right now. I think people just aren't seeing a lot of great investment opportunities out there. And so they are using their own capital. Um, but SBA loans are still very common and SBA you know, 7A loans and ex- express loans. Um, we work with some great organizations and that's all they do all day, every day is make SBA loans. Um, and then, you know, you also have the potential to, to use what's called a ROBS program where you tap in your 401k or uh, traditional IRA and you're able to set up as a C corp. And, and again, we can walk you through those steps, but there's some tax advantages to that. So um, there are multiple ways to get there. Um, obviously friends and family are another option. Um, but no, we, we, we talk through that. It's important. I would say if your net worth isn't, you know, isn't at least, 150,000, then, then it may not be the best time to kind of go down that path. Um, I have had clients, you know, below that threshold, but I'd say that's a pretty fair threshold that it may not be your best move at this stage. You know, let's save up a little bit more. All right. So any last advice for people who are listening? You know, I, I think, uh, you know, obviously I, I'm a big proponent of franchising. I've been on every side of the, of the fence here. And uh, I do think it's a better path to business ownership. I love educating people on the topic. Um, I think it's a great, I give a talk franchising as an asset class. I think it's an oftentimes overlooked or misunderstood area that uh, is absolutely massive in our economy uh, with um, when you consider the size. Um, so yeah, give thought again, more than happy to chat, connect with me on LinkedIn uh, and also visit our website for and would love to help in any way I can.
Awesome. Well, John, thank you for being a guest on Making Waves at Sea Level. Maybe someone's listening and you inspired them and, and they'll make some waves, waves in franchising. So thank you so much for being here. And thank you to everybody who tuned in and listened. I say it every single episode. If it wasn't for the audience, why would I do this podcast? Uh, I originally started it so that I would have access to really smart people like John. But what's really happened is, is with you know almost 650 interviews down for this show, uh, it has really inspired a lot of people in a lot of different areas. And that just is fun for me. So if you like the show, go tell a friend. Uh, everybody who tells me they listen regularly, I say, how did you ever find my little podcast? And they say, somebody told me about it. So uh, do that. Yeah, like all podcasters, I want you to go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast love and leave one of those fancy five-star reviews that says, best podcast ever. But uh, I really appreciate it when you tell your friends more than anything. So go on out there, flex your entrepreneurial and business muscles. Make sure that your career ladder is against the right wall because you don't want to climb a career ladder to only find out you did it in the wrong place. And while you're out there doing all this stuff, have some fun along the way. Go out and have a great day. Thank you for listening to the Making Waves at Sea Level podcast. Without your listening to these in-depth conversations, there would be no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter and Instagram at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.